we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of Urgency of Change. This episode is the sixth in the new season of the Krishnamurti podcast. Each weekly episode is based on a major theme of Krishnamurti's teachings, such as self-knowledge, authority, beauty, death and meditation. Extracts from our extensive archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to each of these universal and timelessly relevant issues. This week's theme is freedom. Upcoming themes are change, consciousness and action. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. For more information about our activities and programmes, such as our volunteer programme at Brockwood Park in the UK, we are online at kfoundation.org. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. This week's podcast has five sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's second Q&A meeting at Brockwood Park in 1980, titled, What is Freedom? What is freedom? You know, many philosophers have written, talked about freedom. We talk about freedom. Freedom to live where we like. Freedom to have any job we like. Freedom to choose a woman or a man. Freedom to read any literature. Or freedom not to read at all. We are free. And so what do we do with that freedom? We use that freedom to express ourselves, to do what we like. Right? Whatever we like. More and more it's becoming permissive, You can have sex in their garden, open garden, right? We have every kind of freedom. And what have we done with that freedom? We think choice, when we, where there is choice, we have freedom. I can go to Italy, to France, or choice. 
Will you have to have a passport and a visa? And does choice give freedom? Please follow me. Why do we have to choose? If you are very clear, clear, purely perceived, clear, there is no choice. Out of that comes right action. It's only when there is doubt, uncertainty, you begin to choose. So choice, if you'll forgive me my saying so, choice prevents freedom. And the totalitarian states have no freedom at all. Because they have the idea that freedom brings about degeneration of man. Therefore, control, suppress. You follow, you know what's happening, all the rest of it. So, what is freedom? Is it based on choice? Is it to do exactly what we like? Some of the psychologists are saying to. If you feel something, do it immediately. Don't suppress it, don't restrain it, don't control it, don't express. And we are doing that very well too. And it's called also freedom. Throwing bombs is also freedom. Right? Just look what we have reduced our freedom to. So what is freedom? Does freedom lie out there or here? I'm just asking, I'm not saying it. Where do you begin to search for freedom? In the outer world? which is to express and do, act, whatever you like, the so-called individual freedom. Or does freedom begin inwardly, which then expresses itself intelligently outwardly? You will say, That is, freedom must begin when there is no... Freedom exists only when there is no confusion. Right? Confusion inside me. When I am seeking, perhaps, psychologically, religiously, not to be caught in any trap. You understand? There are innumerable traps. Gurus, saviours, uh, preachers, 
the excellent books, psychologists and psychiatrists, they're all there. And if I'm confused and no, and there is disorder, mustn't have first be free of that disorder. Before I talk of freedom, if I have no relationship with my wife or with my husband, with my person, other, because we haven't got relationship with another. Our relationship is based on images. You have an image about me, and I have an image about you. And so the conflict, which is inevitable, where there is a division. Right, sirs? So, shouldn't I begin here, inside me, in my skin, in my mind, in my heart, to be totally free of all the fears and anxieties, despairs, hurts and wounds that one has received through some psychic disorder. You follow all that to watch it for oneself and be free of it. But apparently we haven't got the energy. We go to another to give us energy. The psychiatrist gives us, by talking to him, you feel much more relieved, you follow the confession and all the rest of it. Always depending on somebody else. And so that dependence inevitably brings great conflict, disorder. So one has to begin to understand the depth and the greatness of freedom, one must begin quite near. And the nearest is you. As long as there is you and me, there is no freedom. As long as you have your prejudice and my prejudice, your experience, my etc., etc., so on, so on. There is no freedom. We can express, we can criticize each other, we can do all that. That's what's called freedom the right to think what you like. But the freedom, real, the greatness of freedom and the enormity, the dignity, the beauty of it is in oneself and it is complete. Order. And that order comes only when we are light to ourselves. The second extract is from the fourth talk in Sanin, 1965, titled Freedom and Order. So, freedom, space and order. You cannot have order without freedom. And you cannot have freedom without space. 
So the, the three go together, they are not separate. A, a society of the extreme left, through tyranny it hopes to create order, it cannot create order. Through one political party, dictatorship, it cannot. Economically, socially, or any other way, because order means freedom. And to bring about order within oneself, not as an individual saving his pretty little, dirty little soul, but as a human being living, who has lived for two million years with all the vast experience of man. So order is virtue, and virtue which is goodness cannot flower in any society which is always in contradiction with itself. So outside influence, economic, social, technology, going to Mars and all the rest of it, that cannot possibly produce order. What produces order is the inquiry into freedom, not intellectual inquiry, but actual work breaking down the conditioning, the limits, the, the prejudices, the narrow ideas, breaking down the whole psychological structure of society of which we are part. Unless you break through that, there is no order and therefore there is no freedom. It's like a small mind trying to understand the immensity of the world of life of beauty. It cannot, it can imagine, it can write poems about it, paint pictures, but the fact is different from the reality. From the reality the fact is different from the word, from the image, from the symbol, from the picture. So, order can only come about through the awareness of disorder. You cannot create order. Please do see this thing. You can only be aware of disorder. Outwardly as well as inwardly. Because a disordered mind cannot create order. It doesn't know what it means. It can only react to what it thinks is disorder and then 
create a pattern which it calls order and conform to that order, to that pattern. But if the mind is aware of the disorder in which it lives, which is being aware of the negative, not of the positive, you are following all this? Then order becomes something extraordinarily creative, moving, living. Because order is not a pattern which you are following day after day. The following of a pattern which you have established there and following it day after day, practicing it, is disorder. Oh. Whereas if the mind becomes aware of the disorder, the disorder of conflict, of effort, of greed, of envy, of ambition, of all the petty little human beings have created as society. If one becomes aware of that disorder, aware, you understand, not choosing, not saying this is order and that is disorder, but choicelessly to be aware of that disorder, demands extraordinary, in, not only intelligence, which is sensibility, sensitiveness, but also in that very awareness, choiceless awareness, there is a discipline, not conformity. <coughs> you know, am I driving too hard? Am I putting too many ideas in one basket, one moment? You see, for us, discipline, whether we like it or not, whether we practice or not, whether we are aware of it, whether we are conscious of it or unconscious of it, discipline is a form of conformity for most people. All the soldiers in the world, those poor, miserable human beings, whether of the left or of the right, are made to conform to a pattern. Because they have, they have certain things to do. And with us, who are not soldiers trained to destroy and to protect oneself, with us, discipline is either imposed by environment by society, by the family, by the office, by the routine of everyday existence, or we impose discipline, our, uh, discipline on ourselves. And when one examines this whole structure and the meaning of discipline, whether it is imposed discipline or self-discipline, 
It is a form of conformity or adjustment to a pattern, to a memory, to an experience outwardly or inwardly. What? This is so. And we revolt against that discipline. Every human mind revolts against this stupid form of conformity whether established by the dictators or by the religious priests or by the gods, by the saints, whatever they are. And yet one sees there must be some kind of discipline in life, which is not conforming, which is not adjusting, which is not based on fear and all the rest of it. Because otherwise, if there is no discipline, you can't live. So one has to inquire into a discipline which is not conformity. Because that conformity destroys. Conformity never brings about freedom. Look at the churches throughout the world the political parties. It's so obvious that we don't have to labour that point. Either you see it or you don't see it. If you don't see it, it's up to you. So, the fear of society this psychological structure of society, which creates a discipline of conformity, is immoral and disorderly, in which we are caught, and a mind that wants to find out what is discipline, because it must there must be certain. Uh, movement which is not controlled, shaped, conforming. And to go into that, to find that out, one has to be aware of this extraordinary disorder, confusion, misery in which one lives. And to be, and to be aware of it sensitively, totally, not fragmentarily, but totally. To be aware of it so choicelessly in itself is discipline. I don't know if you're following me. <coughs> if I am aware what I am doing, if I am aware of the action of my hand, the very very awareness of that movement is a form of discipline in which there is no conformity. Right? Is this clear? No, no, non verbally. Actually, within yourself, you have to do this. It's 
פסוק. Order can only come about through this sense of awareness in which there is no choice and therefore it's a total awareness, a complete sensitivity of every movement of thought. And in that awareness itself, that awareness itself is discipline. Therefore, in that awareness of the disorder, there is order. The mind hasn't to produce order. And to have order, which is the flowering of goodness and of beauty, there must be freedom. And there is no freedom if you have no space. Space with... Look, I'll put a question to you. Don't answer me, please. You have no answer. What is space? When you put that question to yourself, seriously, not just flippantly, as I am putting it to you, what is space? To answer that question, your mind now has only space within the limitations of a room or the object which creates the space. To you, that's the only space you have. And is there space without the object? If there is no space without the object, then there is no freedom, therefore there is no order, therefore there is no beauty, there is no flowering of goodness. Therefore there is everlasting struggle. So a mind has to discover by hard work, not by just listening to some words, 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 to find out if there is space without the centre. And when once one that has been found, then there is everything that human mind can flower in, So, discipline, order, freedom and space cannot exist without understanding of time. 
रहे थे वो बहुत काटे थे इट्स कॉल पास्ट लेवल सो आई बेट स्टॉप दैट But it's very interesting to find out the nature of time. Not only by the watch, the time of yesterday, <clears throat> and the time of today, and the time of tomorrow. The time when you should walk, the time when you should sleep. But also, you must find out time which is not by the watch. And that's much more difficult. Because we look to time as a means of bringing about order. Give me a few more years, I will be good. will create a marvelous world then you will create a new generation oh will create a new type of human being who will be so totally communist totally this or totally that so we use time as a means of creating order but when one observes you will see that time breeds disorder the third extract is from the first talk at brockwood park in 1972 titled freedom from thought to learn implies time learn a language a technique a method acquiring certain information knowledge about mechanics and so on it that requires time several months several years learning a piano violin language that's really memorizing practicing acquiring knowledge which can be translated into action and that's all we are concerned with all human beings are only concerned with that because that gives them power position a means of mm, livelihood and so on and i say to myself learning must be instantaneous learning is the seeing and the acting in which there is no seeing and a gap acting <coughs> that is 
time is required to learn a language. Is time required to learn freedom? Is time required for the mind to see that as long as it functions within the pattern of thought, there is no freedom? However expanded, however worthwhile, marvellous the expansion, the content of that expansion is, to see that does require time to learn about the truth that freedom is not within that pattern. Right? That is, are you going to take time to see the truth of that? You have understood my question? Look, you have explained to me what thought has done in the world. You explained to me that a new kind of pattern, still made by thought, will help to bring about different behaviour. And your explanation and my acceptance of that explanation, the logical process of it, the verbal communication, the reference to all the words you have used which are familiar to me, all that takes time, right? And at the end of that, mind is still not free, it's still within that pattern. Are we following each other? And you tell me to learn what freedom is, is instantaneous. It doesn't require time. Time is thought. And don't use thought to understand freedom at all. So I say to myself, how, what are you talking about? I don't understand. Because I have only one instrument, which is thinking. And I've used it wrongly, rightly, mischievously, or nobly, but I've, that's the only instrument I have. And you tell me, put that instrument aside. Learn not about the activities of thought, which you all already know, but learn, which is instantaneous, how to look, how to uh, learn what freedom is without time.
Are we following each other or am I talking Greek? Well, there are several Greeks here, so sorry. You understand my question? That is, perception is learning, and perception doesn't require time. And time is basically the movement of thought. And through thought you cannot learn what freedom is. And to learn about freedom thought must be completely silent. So I have this problem from you. See, thought has its right place, otherwise you and I couldn't communicate with each other. But and to learn, sorry, but and to learn about communication, I have to learn the language. And since you and I both know English, we can communicate together, and to learn English takes time. Insight into freedom doesn't take time. And you cannot have insight into freedom if there is the operation of thought or the movement of thought which says, I must understand what freedom is. Right? So there is this problem then. How am I, who am used to thinking, and the only instrument I have, and I've been educated, brought up to think, all my conditioning, all my existence is based on that. All my relationship is based on the image which thought has created. And you come along and tell me don't use that instrument. But look, perceive, learn, have an insight. And then you say, how am I to have an insight if, I, if my mind is so heavily conditioned, so, so burdened with all the things of thought? How am I to be free of that in order to see the other? Right? You have put the wrong question. 
If you say, I must be free of this, which is the, me- the mechanical process of thinking, you have stated a wrong question, because you are not learning about the new. You still are concerned with the old. And where you are concerned with old, you will remain with the old. I wonder if you get all this. So the real question is, can the mind, knowing knowing the whole content of the old, not be concerned with it now, because we are inquiring into something of a totally different dimension. And this inquiry demands freedom, not that you should understand the old and bring the old over, or control the old, or subjugate the old, or suppress the old, but move away completely from the old and learn about the new, which doesn't take time. (laughs) You got it? It all sounds contradictory and absurd, it isn't. (coughs) So freedom, absolute freedom, not relative freedom, absolute freedom, is only possible when thought has been, when the mind understands thought and its place, and the freedom of thought, right? Is there an insight into freedom? Insight into freedom from thought. And when there is that insight into the freedom from thought, then that freedom, then in that freedom, thought can function logically, sanely, objectively, non personally. So, so how am I? Was so heavily conditioned, who have used thought from the morning till the evening, during my sleep, dreaming, waking, all the time I'm, the mind is employed with thought. How am I? How is that mind? To have an insight into the freedom in which there is no thought. Right? Please put that question to yourself. And when you have put that question to yourself, 
are you is thought answering that question if thought is answering that question then it's there is no freedom but when you put that question really seriously intensely passionately you want to find out then you will see there is freedom which you do, which you have not sought the seeking is the movement of thought fourth extract this week is from the first talk in san juan 1968 titled Freedom is not at the end it's at the very first step Is it possible to uncondition the mind uncondition your mind so that it is free You know freedom is one of the most dangerous things because freedom implies for most people to do what they want to do freedom for most people is an ideal is something far away cannot be had and there are those who say to be free you must be greatly disciplined but freedom is not at the end freedom is at the very first step because if you are not free you cannot observe the tree the clouds the flashing waters you cannot observe your relationship with your wife with your husband with your neighbor and most of us don't want to observe because we are frightened what will happen if we observe very closely i do not know if i have ever observed your relationships If you ever observed your relationship with your wife or with your husband this is a very dangerous subject because if we observe very closely there might be a different kind of life therefore we never observe what we observe is the image that we have built about each other and that image establishes a certain relationship between man and woman and that relationship between the images is what we call actually being in contact in relation with another 
So, when we are inquiring into this question of unconditioning, freeing the mind from its own conditioning, first of all, is it at all possible? If it is not possible, then we are forever slaves. If it is not possible, then we invent a heaven, a God. There alone can be freedom, but not here. And to free the mind from its conditioning, and I say it is possible, it is, it can be done, one must become aware, aware of how you think and why you think, what your thoughts are, to be aware, not to condemn it, not to judge it, but just to observe, as you can observe a flower. It is there in front of you. It's no good you are condemning it. It's no good you are saying, I like it or dislike it. It is there for you to look at. And if you have the eyes, you will see the beauty of that flower. In the same way, if you are aware of yourself without condemning, without judging, then you will see that the whole structure and the cause of your conditioning, and if you pursue it deeply, then you will discover for yourself that the mind can be free. final extract this week is from Krishnamurti's fourth talk in New Delhi, 1973, titled Meditation is Absolute Inward Freedom. Meditation is the beginning of order. Meditation is the awareness of the movement of thought as the me. Meditation is the freedom, total, absolute inward freedom, in which there isn't a single image. Freedom from all the things that man has put together as reality, philosophically, psychologically, other ways. Then when that takes place, the natural sequence is the flowering of silence. 
in that silence is that quality of energy that you have never touched before and that is the transforming factor that is the real creative movement of life and in that silence there are great many other things that go on because in that silence which means not only the mind as a whole but also the brain the brain becomes orderly it will function when necessary otherwise it's completely quiet and in this or in this sense of silence thought has no place therefore there is no time and that silence cannot be measured if you are capable of measuring it it is not silence it is the silence which thought has put together and therefore it knows it can measure I am silent today I will be silent tomorrow Tell me how to be silent tomorrow So meditation is the most extraordinary thing you know if you know what it is in that quiet stillness that which cannot be described which is nameless which is not the product of time and thought there is there is that movement and that's all you there is and that is the creation 